0: Welcome to the Dying Desk Podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. Have you ever been voluntold for something? Have you heard this term? It's the combination of volunteering, meaning being told, voluntold. If you have school age kids, you have undoubtedly been voluntold. If you have even dipped your toe in the PTA scene, or if you've maybe raised your hand to help out in the classroom with something, voluntold is what makes the world go around these days. School volunteering is like a rite of passage for a lot of parents, and today's guest has captured the pure comedy and drama that is volunteering in a book series Called class mom her name is Lori Gelman I have been a fan of Lori's for years and I'll tell the backstory of actually how I got to know about her books in the episode but you might actually recognize her name if you have ever watched live with Kelly and Ryan and all the previous iterations of live with because she is married to Michael Gelman the longtime producer of the show so Lori and her husband and their two girls have ended up in segments on that show for years And the good thing for Lori is that her background was actually in TV. She was a reporter, journalist, anchor, just like I am. And so, you know, she was at least familiar with that, although um, being on that show is a little bit different than what I do. (laughs) Lori took a break from working um, outside the home to focus on raising her daughters. And one day she got approached to be a class mom. She thought she'd hit the jackpot but then it turned into something completely different. And after getting fired from her volunteer job, yeah, that's possible, she had the inspiration for a book. So Class Mom, is the story of Jen Dixon, who navigates parent politics with a surprisingly sexy kindergarten teacher. The book has um, gone on to become sequels and lots of other books. The most recent book is called Yoga Pant Nation, which might be one of the best titles ever. Her books are irreverent, they are well-written, they're extremely funny. And this entire writing project has basically been this midlife career pivot that she never planned for and really never saw coming. And that is what this show today is really all about. It's about taking a chance and going in a new direction and something that's familiar, but completely different. Now, we joke in this episode a lot about school volunteers and class moms. I mean, that's basically what Lori's book is. But I'm going to tell you right now, putting this out there, hear me on this, okay? As a working mom, I am the first to say that class moms are my hero. And what they have done for me over the years, because I leave by, you know, three in the morning, I miss the whole first part of my kids' day, or at least I'm not there in person. Um, Class moms have made me feel like I am part of my kids' school day during those times when parents are around and volunteering. They have sent me pictures from field trips that I couldn't go on. They have shown my boys video message that I sent during those trips trying to relieve a little of my mom guilt. They have covered for me every time I have forgotten to send in stuff or dress my kid in something specific. They have always, always helped me. So I am eternally grateful for all their help over the years. So again, are you hearing me? I love class moms. I respect, and I worship parents who volunteer, and I volunteer a lot myself. I have coached at my kids' school for six years. I'm on a parent board at the high school. That said, I am endlessly entertained by people theater and parent politics. And like my new BFF, Lori Gelman, I see a lot of humor in it. Because if you do not laugh, friends, you will cry. And trust me, I have cried at times. No crying today, though. I'm this dying to ask why Kelly Ripa told Lori to run from that class mom gig, how Lori got fired from being the class mom, who told her to write the books, and then what happened when she first got published? Some advice on taking chances in middle age and starting a brand new career. And if you're in your 20s or 30s, please listen to that part of the show, because Lori dropped some serious wisdom, and I really wish that I would have listened little more closely to my elders at that age. Because guess what, I probably heard the same advice as well. (laughs) And then after the interview, I'm going to share the behind the scenes of actually how I recorded this interview. It's going to sound just a little bit different than my usual setup, because honestly, I was recording in the worst place ever. Lori Gelman is my guest on this week's Dine Desk podcast. Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask. Laurie, it's nice to finally meet you on the Dying to Ask podcast. Thanks for joining today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. I've been a big fan of your books for for years now, and I discovered them in kind of a funny way. I have been coaching off and on for years, middle school, running track and cross country. And I found that people were never reading my emails when I would send out like, you know, pick up your kid at this time, whatever. (laughs) Nobody ever read my email. So I started dropping little things into the email to try to get people to read them and to keep them on. And so one day this, this mom says, you so remind me of the class mom books. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it made people read my email so their kids would get picked up on time and all the other important things would happen. So it's funny that idea of finding a little bit of humor in the lives of our kids and the, the society we find ourselves in, um, it definitely hits and resonates with people of a certain age.
1: I'm glad because, you know, I I too was one of the people that didn't really read the class mom emails because they all they used to do was cut and paste from the PTA. And I was like, this is no fun. So when I finally had the opportunity... Uh, I can't tell you the reaction I got from my class parents. They were so happy to be, excuse me, my dog is right there. Um, The reaction from my class parents was crazy. They were so happy to read something that wasn't boring. And I would get these great emails back. And it it was just, it was a a really great um, give and take for me. And it made the job so much more interesting.
0: Yeah, and and it is a job, which I think- (laughs) <laughs> I mean, job with a capital J, <laughs> capital O, capital B. Um, yeah. Being part of leadership in a school environment or a sports environment is like landing on another planet, especially with your first kid.
1: Oh my god! And the parents seem to think that you work for them for some reason. It's really funny. I would get these these you know parents coming up to me at at uh, pickup time, and they'd be urgently you know telling me that I need to do this and this, and I was like, I'm sorry. I don't work for the school. I, I do this for, for free. So you could just like take three steps back and realize that whatever you're saying to me is not gonna happen, especially right. the way you're presenting it.
0: Well, let's go ahead and go a few steps back um into your background and kind of your your um your career as you've got along because you actually started off doing something similar to me. You worked in reporting.
1: I was in local news, channel seven, WSBN. If it bleeds, it leads. Television. <laughs> um big hair, big earring, big news. That's what oh, we call. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a great job there for um, a few years in Miami. It was loads of fun and um, from there, I, you know, before that I was in Canada, you know, they pulled me out of Canada. I was in Canada. I was a, like basically a VJ uh, video jockey for a, like this, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's MTV, but it was an MTV like station and I had a show where I just interviewed rock stars and, and played videos. It was quite a really fun job. And then I got um, bumped up to New York. Um, I hosted a morning show with Tom Bergeron called um, Breakfast Time. And then it became Fox After Breakfast. And then that didn't last very long. And I went to Good Morning America. There's been lots of uh, iterations of my career. And then some people
0: might also recognize you if they watch, you know, live with Kelly and Ryan. They might also recognize you because your family is
1: very much involved in that program as well. Yes, we are. Much to my daughter's chagrin. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. They, they, they're literally, because there's something in New York called taxi TV. Oh, I know exactly. And what taxi I don't know TV if you know, so probably have it everywhere now, Yeah. but um, live is always on taxi TV. So, you know, the first time it happened that Jamie was on a segment and then she was on, she happened to be in ninth grade, which is a very tenuous year. Like oh, yeah. she's trying to look cool. And she's like, I said, did everybody see you on taxi TV? I said, did anybody see you on taxi TV? She goes, yes. Teachers, seniors, people randomly coming up to me in the hallway telling me they saw me on taxi. Like it like it was the worst thing that had ever happened. Right. And now they love it because they get paid whenever they go on the show. How
0: funny. Well, you know, their their opinions do change and stuff. Oh so, yeah. well, they're older yeah, now. I know. So now all of a sudden mom and dad are just a little bit cooler, I suppose. We are. Um, so I bring up live because I think it's interesting that when you started talking about getting involved in the school stuff, you actually got some advice, which I might argue was very sound advice from Kelly Rippa.
1: Oh, yeah. Getting now, involved. I, I thought I'd won the lottery. And when, when uh, they asked me to be class mom, I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, of course I, me? And because uh, I thought the class mom was so cool. She was always so busy. She knew everybody. Little did I know. Little did I know. And I went to Kelly or I called Kelly and I said, guess what? They asked me to be a class mom. She's like, you didn't say yes, do you? She said, say no, just say no, do not do it because you'll never get out of it. And she was correct because I did it for, you know, how many, five soul-sucking years.
0: (laughs) However, you did see the humor along the way of the situations that we put ourselves in, which also led to the creation
1: of the books at some point. What was the evolution of that? Well, what happened was I got fired from being class mom and my fifth year, I wrote a, you know, my emails were always very salty, very, you know, engaging in a, in a different way. And in my fifth year, I wrote my usual shot across the bow at the beginning of the year, like my way or the highway, whatever I used to say. And um, this one mom who'd never had me as a class mom before really was offended by the way I spoke down to the, to the parents or whatever. And she went to, straight to the head of the PTA and she said, I insist this woman be fired fired from the job. (laughs) I really don't want anyway, but wow, please fire me. Yeah, exactly. But it really hurt because I, when you, when you bother to put your heart and soul into something and you make it more fun for everybody else and, and, you know, it was just, I was really proud of the job I'd done and to be so, you know, ceremoniously just wiped away because one mom was offended. um, I didn't know what to do. So I was really upset and I didn't know how to get that energy out. So I wrote four books and now I feel much better. Uh, Yeah, I would imagine you would. (laughs) I would imagine that you would. Um, Yeah, I'm all good.
0: (laughs) When you started doing the writing, was some of that like just kind of also looking for a new chapter? Because I do feel like once you get to middle age, you do get to a point where, um, at least my experience has been, I stop having a name. Like I'm not Deirdre, I'm not Fitz. I'm so and so's mom. I have two teenage boys. Yeah, and and sometimes I forget that I have a name when I'm in school environments because I'll even introduce myself as I'm so and so's mom. Yeah, and of course, with something yeah. that also kind of like just kind of being at a point where your life, you're like, what's my next thing? Because I think a lot of people, myself included, we get there and we're like, what's next?
1: Yeah, and we, well, the thing is, I stopped working. Like you, obviously, have kept working during your whole thing. Um, when once I had the kids. <clears throat> excuse me, I went, uh, I, I stopped working because I didn't want to interview celebrities anymore. I just didn't find that as you know rewarding as I had in my 20s, let's say. Um, so getting back into TV was literally going to be impossible for me. It really was. It was just, there was nothing there for me. And if you keep working, you'll be okay. You don't need a third act. But what I needed was a third act. And um, I never thought I'd write, but it just came... It just came naturally. I mean, I, I wanted to write a children's book because I thought that would be easy, but I was, I was totally wrong about that. Getting into children's books is like the hardest game to get into. They are so specific about, unless you're a celebrity, writing a children's book is very hard. But it was my agent who said, you know, when I was complaining about getting fired as class mom, <laughs> he was like, that's your book, you know? That's, that's pretty funny. Right. And it just poured out of me. It really did. And I didn't expect to write sequels. I didn't expect anything to come of it because it took me three years to write it. And literally nobody on this planet was waiting for a book from Laurie Gelman, trust me. <laughs> so it, it was one of those happy accidents, really.
0: Sidebar, um, does every single celebrity have a children's book at this point?
1: Well, don't you notice?
0: Everyone, <laughs> every single person on the Today Show has a children's book
1: right now. I know. Every because...
0: day they're interviewing each other about a children's book. It makes I you know, laugh.
1: it's it's the easiest Way to get on the bestseller list, seriously. Because yeah. yeah. if you have fans, they'll buy your children's book much more easily than they'll buy your whatever book, your biography.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what was the reaction like to Class Mom when, when it first started coming out for you? Because I mean, the thing did really well pretty quickly, as I recall.
1: Yeah, it did very well. It it was it was great. Um, well, I wasn't exactly fetid at my school, you know. Oh were sort of very leery about how when, when it came out. They before it came out and before anybody read it, they were all very like, oh, because you know, um primates of Park Avenue had come out and Tiger Mom had come out, and there was a lot of Upper East Side, you know, uh, bashing of moms. So I wanted to like make sure I, you know, that. I didn't do that because I was even tired of reading that. So I said,
0: I didn't even think about the fact that your kids are probably still in school when the first one came out. Oh yeah.
1: Literally my husband's like, you were going to get us kicked out of, out of uh, our school. (laughs) (laughs) I can can say it now. They're not there anymore. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, everybody was leery. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of like hurrah for Lori at, from my school. I mean, everybody else was. And literally every other school in the city invited me to their book fair to speak, but my own school did not. (laughs) (laughs) And literally when you read the book, there's nobody from Dalton in that book. There's really, Really? they're all made up characters. Are they really? Okay. So Jennifer Dixon
0: is the main character, Jen Dixon in, in the books. Um, and for people who haven't read the books, give us the synopsis of like what she's like and her thing.
1: Jen is a mid forties mom who has a wild, um, after college life and had two kids by two different musicians in Europe before she settled down um, in Kansas City with her parents and then ultimately meets the love of her life, Ron. And uh, so when we meet her, she has, she's in the interesting situation of having two daughters in college and a son starting kindergarten. Like she is the older mom. And she realizes that if she's gonna do this, if she's gonna be class mom, if she's gonna participate, she's gonna do it by her rules this time. She's not gonna care what anybody thinks. And um and that's where we go from. And so there now have been four books. So you've got Class Mom. You've been volunteered, uh, Yoga Pant Nation and Smells Like Tween Spirit. So Yoga Pant Nation is the most recent of the four, right? Smells like Tween Spirit is the most recent. Yeah. And so was that one during the pandemic? Did you write that during the pandemic? Yoga Yoga Pant Nation I wrote during the pandemic. Okay. Yeah, that was crazy because we were holed up for a hundred days and I didn't know what I was going to do, but thank God I had a book due and I pounded that thing out. And, you know, there wasn't a lot to laugh about in those days (laughs) during the pandemic. There was, you were probably working the whole time, but, you know, my kids came home from school. Everybody was just sad. And Michael was doing, Michael, my husband, who's the executive producer, live with Kelly and Ryan, he was doing the show on remote, you know, from- big, I think this room actually every morning. So he at least was busy, but I, I didn't have anything to do. So I started writing the third book and and got it done like that.
0: What's been the most surprising to you about this, this latest act in your life and about kind of sinking yourself into something that you had never really planned on. I mean, some people always think I've got a book in me and I want to do this. That wasn't the way you were thinking all those years. It just kind of happened. So what's the most surprising thing about embracing something that's so new that wasn't like germinating for years and years? Um,
1: how satisfying it is. You know, when you have a career in television, it's, it's, you find that that's where your ego is fed. That's where things are good. You're you're very busy and informed and happy. And, um, when I stopped doing that, I found, I'll never find anything that satisfying, but actually writing, even though it's singularly exhausting and painful, and I hate it, but I actually love it because my inner voice has finally come out and I didn't know I had such a ski inner voice until I started writing things that I would only ever have thought about in my head. And I literally call my books, the cocktail party in my head, because it's all the things I've always wanted to say, but never had the guts to. And now I have a, a, a platform to say it.
0: Oh, Jen Dixon can say anything from what I can she tell. She can, <laughs> my girl. What would you say to to other women or, or men, you know, who maybe think about trying something new, but are afraid of failure because you get to a point in your life where you don't learn new things um, and so you don't fair. choose to learn new things because you don't want to fail because you have a certain level of success. But most of the failures of my life are where I've learned the most or sometimes where I've had the most fun. What, what's your advice to people about just kind of getting past that concept of maybe it might not work?
1: Be brave. Um, what, I mean, if you're in your fifties and you've gotten to the point where you know, you're trying something new, what's the worst that could happen? Seriously. I mean, you should be at a a level of maturity where you don't care what other people think, or you try not to care what other people think and just, just put it out there and see what, what happens. I actually, my friend made me do stand up comedy one night, which terrified me to know. I I couldn't believe I was, I said yes to it, but she said, well, it's a bunch of humor writers getting on stage at Caroline's and they're going to do, you know, do their, you can read your, whatever it was. And I was terrified because the worst part when I'm writing by myself, it's like, I don't care if anybody laughs, it's just me, you know? But if you put, up, put that out there live and you get that live feedback, it's, it's terrifying, but I did it. I'll never do it, but I did it once. And I actually, it, it was very rewarding. I think wow. you have to challenge yourself. You have to be brave. What are you working on next? well I just finished writing the screen another thing I just learned was how to write a screenplay I wrote I wrote the pilot for class mom the tv show which is now going to go out and uh search for a place to be produced excuse me I don't know why I have this this morning um so that was that was a journey learning how to write it's a completely different way of writing and uh getting that done was was exciting and I'm I'm been batting around another book, um, not a Jen Dixon book, but a completely different, like a murder mystery from the seventies with a latchkey kid. Um, I've been sort of writing that book on and off for three years. And I may just start like focusing my attention on it. So look ahead a few years, you have
0: two daughters. One of them comes home and says, Hey mom, I just got asked to be class mom.
1: What are you going (laughs) to say? (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Just take a take a note out of your mom's book. I would give them class mom to read. Actually, they've both read it, but um, you know, I'm snarky about class moms, but, you know, you need the volunteers in the classroom, you
0: You have to, and it's
1: also great to be in, I don't know if you've done it. I I haven't done the class
0: mom thing because I, it's to me, for me, it's too much responsibility, but I have been voluntold into many, many things, and it is a great way to see your, um, your kids' friends and to really learn about kids in general. So, I, I am actually quite grateful for all the times I've complained about fill in the blank. I, I know that I will look back years from now and I'm going to be so glad. And I hope that my kids remember that I was there because what I found is they that don't you remember any of the stuff I did
1: when they were young, but they I seem know. to
0: remember it now. So hopefully- No, you know, it's, it's,
1: it's, uh, and also you get an insight into the teacher's behavior in the classroom and you're chill. It's like you're, you're a fly on the wall because as much as they're excited, you're there, they then forget that you're there and they just start acting like themselves. I'll never forget. I don't know. Do we have time? If um, uh, we don't, it's not. It's a long story. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Put it in a book. <laughs> the teacher Jamie. When I was in Jamie's third grade class, I was the class mom, of course, and uh, they were trying to get everybody ready, uh, like gathered up. And she stood up and she's like, "Okay, everybody!" and started clapping her hands and flicking the lights on and off. And I looked at the teacher. I said, "She's that kid. She's the." kid that's really helpful. The kids really listen to her.
0: Isn't that funny? I was like, oh my well, God. Lori, it's been so much fun chatting with you and uh, con- con- continued luck on all the projects that you're working on. And thanks for giving us some laughs along the
1: way while
0: we Fitz, uh, tackle so
1: motherhood. Me. Thanks so much. It was really fun. Good luck oh, to you. Thank you.
0: You can follow Laurie Gelman at LaurieGelman.com and on Instagram at Lori Gelman. So here's the backstory I promised you about this episode. So my normal podcast setup is actually a home studio. So I set this up during the pandemic and it works so well that I've continued with it. So that's the background that I'm normally working with. That's how I create the TV segments and I have lights. I've got my beautiful mic. I have some soundproofing and it really leads to a very professional sound. Um, ironically, at the station, we don't really have something like that set up. So what I had to do on the day that I was connecting with Lori was I had to bring the gear to the station because we were short-staffed that day. So basically, I was anchoring a bunch of hours, but I had a one-hour break, um, actually a 30-minute break, where I could go record the interview. And because Lori and I had had to reschedule this one interview a couple of times, I didn't want to miss it, right? Because we were it just had been too long. So I just wanted to like get this done. And I I was sure that we could do it pretty quickly because she has a TV background, TV people are really fast with stuff. So I had my gear set up in the room that I was going to record in. I got off our anchor set at 7am. The interview was supposed to start by 710. And then I knew that I needed to get back into the studio by 728am, like very specific to the minute, but this was doable. And I knew I could do it with her, right? Except that My ethernet cable in this room I was working in refused to recognize my laptop, personal laptop computer, just like would not recognize it. And like, oh, so it's like 701 when, when I realized this. So I go running to the other side of the building. I grab engineer Scotty. He comes running back with me. Thank goodness he's aerobic. And he starts trying to help me troubleshoot. And we could not figure this out. It's like 704 at this point. So the clock is ticking, but I still feel pretty good that we're going to get this thing done. So we end up switching out computers. Scotty does some sort of like voodoo on the laptop to make it recognize the microphone. And at 7.09.30, I open up that Zoom window and bam, there she was. 7:28. 728. I was back in the studio. So it was a very very fast interview. Um not the optimal place to record, but it did in a pinch and I appreciate Lori joining me cuz it was really really fun. We had a good time talking. So, looking ahead, got the holidays coming up and then after that I'm looking ahead to 2023 with the podcast. No, it's not ending. Um, But as I look ahead to what do we want to do next, I'm toying with an idea that I've seen done on other shows and I like it a lot and I think it would be a lot of fun. So if you have any feedback on what I'm about to tell you, email me, message me, let me know, or if you have any suggestions. I think what I'm gonna do is um, a series of either four or five interviews. So it might be like a monthly series on fill in the blank where you'll hear from four or five guests in a row talking about a specific topic. So I'm just like brainstorming here. We could do a series on finances, and we bring in like four or five people who have some tie to the financial world or helping you be better with that, and we might talk with them. Um, So similar types of episodes, but with a little bit of a theme, and I think that might be kind of fun. I've been kind of craving doing something like that. So if you have any thoughts on that or topics you think you would like to hear about, as always, I am awaiting your email or your message. <laughs> you can email me at dfitzpatrick at Hearst, as in Patty Hearst, H-E-A-R-S-T. That's a reference that only people of a certain age recognize, by the way.com, .com, dfitzpatrick at Hearst.com. Or you can always reach out to me on Instagram. That is the easiest place to find me, truthfully. And you will find me at run, read, sip. Thank you for listening to this Dying to Ask podcast. I hope you will go check out Lori Gelman's books. And we'll see you next time on Dying to Ask.